Every snowflake is different. The same is true when it comes to winter tires. Here at the new Lloydminster Nissan, we have tires that are better on snow and ice, while some have better traction in heavy snow and some last longer. Not one tire does it all. But here at the new Lloydminster Nissan, we find you the tires that best work for you and your winter driving. And even better than that, you'll love the price with all our tires at cost. Safety and savings here at the new Lloydminster Nissan with our winter tire sale. Go online at NissanLloydminster.com. Book in your winter tire install now. At the new Lloydminster Nissan, we won't sell you a car or tires. We'll help you buy one. Lloydminster and area have been hit with a massive snowfall. Officials are warning people to bundle up and keep warm. Looking to stay warm this winter? Welcome to the warmth of sheepskin. Looking for warmth? Looking for softness? Looking for comfort? We have ideas for you and your whole family. Visit Sheepskin Loft for friendly service, unique gifts, and natural footwear. Sheepskin Loft, because we care. Shop in-store or online, sheepskinloft.com. While it is good to look at how much has changed in banking since the first Saskatchewan Credit Union was formed in the 30s, it is just as important to look at what has stayed the same. We are with you through thick and thin, rooted in tradition and honest values, and driven by innovation to help reach your financial goals. This commitment to you has defined our entire story, which will never change. That's a promise. Stay tuned, it's only going to get better. This is Lloyd Minster's show. This is local that matters to you. Local people local events, local news and sports. For Lloydminster and area, this is Live with Kurt Price from the new Lloydminster Nissan. Well, great to be back inside the new Lloydminster Nissan. It's our first show in 2023 here at the new uh, Lloydminster Nissan. I want to thank Guest Controls for having us out on uh, Tuesday. And uh, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But a big heads up, Garth Rosewell is here, the MLA for Wainwright, Vermilion, and Lloydminster. I think I got those. I think it's... Wainwright, Lloydminster, Vermilion. Vermilion, Lloydminster, Vermilion, Lloydminster, Wainwright. <laughs> and so we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Rosewell about 2022 and look ahead to 2023 as well. I want to do remind you, though, that you do not pay for six months here at the new Lloydminster Nissan. You can pick out a vehicle today, uh, drive it home today, and do not pay until the grass is green. And tires right now at the new Lloydminster Nissan at cost as well. Big game tonight. You've been watching the World Juniors, Garth? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh. Oh, man, what amazing games! Yeah, when they went down two nothing last night, I thought these guys are in trouble. It was a very similar game to the Oilers and the and the what do they call them? The Seattle, uh, whatever they call it. Yeah, the crack and crack only and opposite. Yeah. Opposite, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> only opposite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oilers play tonight too, right? Yeah, yes, they, yeah. They do, yeah. It's a night full of hockey tonight. Yeah. Uh, ladies, don't plan anything. The guys will be sitting in front of the TV uh, tonight. Four thirty. That starts another chase. The ace draw last night at the Lloyd Mister Exhibition. There was no. Ace of Hearts drawn again. So we're into week nine, $44,000, 45 cards remaining. Get your tickets in person or e-transfer or LloydEx.com. And don't forget that you can uh, sign up and uh, you can repeat all the time your uh, $10 or maybe you want three tickets for 25 or eight for 50 to 20 for 100. Just subscribe and they'll keep uh, signing you up and you won't have to worry about forgetting to purchase your tickets. Speaking of tickets, get your ticket for the Lloyd Mr. Kinsman's Telemiracle Steak Night. It's back at the Lloyd Mr. Exhibition on February the 4th. The milk-fed turkeys are performing. They're the entertainment. 
cocktails at 5, supper at 6, dance and auction to follow. Tickets are $60, available by calling Matt, 587-217-5067. That might be the first event back inside the newly renovated WLS Convention Center as they have that uh, tour up uh, right now and are renovating it as we speak. Lloyd Mr. Sexual Assault Center hoping that it's renovated in time for their uh, Night Under the Stars Gala on February 11th as well. That's at the WLS Stockade Convention Center and the Lloyd Mr. Sexual Assault Center is celebrating 40 years of service in Lloydminster and area with great entertainment, cocktails, dinner at 6. For more information, email reception at lsas.ca. Agrovision's back at the Lloyd Mr. Exhibition February 8th and 9th. Two-day interactive information event that features a trade show. It features uh, keynote speakers, seminars, and other special events for the agriculture industry and grain and cattle are both part of AgriVisions. Tickets are available at eventbrite.ca. And Cattleman's Call is back for a second year at the Lloyd Mr. Exhibition on Friday and Saturday of next week. Uh, we'll talk to Dana LaRouche from the Lloyd Mr. Lloyd Mr. Exhibition and uh, the chairman of Calumans Call, Graydon Kay, uh, coming up next Tuesday. The Lloyd Mr. Runners have a winter runderland on January 28th. That's at Bud Miller Park. It's a 5 or 10K run. Uh, hot drinks will be provided at aid stations. You can get registered at LloydMrRunners.com. Now, I mentioned we are at Guest Controls on Tuesday where we launched that Guest Controls and Border City Shield Mechanical are working to raise money for LPSD's breakfast programs by holding a jail and bail on Tuesday, January 17th from 9 to 3 p.m. You can help by nominating a co-worker, you can nominate a friend, a neighbor, your boss, phone 780-870-6494, pay the minimum jail fee of $60, uh, $50, and uh, then the jail is going to be set up at Guest Controls, where we were at on Tuesday in their boardroom to launch the event. And Trisha Rawlake is the LPSD superintendent, and she was telling us why these breakfast programs are so important. And so when students come to school, they are greeted at the door and uh, welcomed into our, our makeshift breakfast rooms, and they're fed. And it's very much about community and being social and breaking bread together. And then after that, they're ready to learn. They go to their classroom. They're not distracted. Uh, they have a full belly. And we find that, that that creates an optimal learning environment. So, Fred, this isn't the first initiative that you've done towards uh, breakfast programs. Uh, why is it so important for you? Oh, i got kids. So uh, we get hit up for sponsorship a lot here. Um, I find that the community has got a lot of focus on sports, stuff like that and the basics get pushed over so we sat down here and wanted to do something and be more than just a, a business you know in the community and something and and give something back and so jailers will pick you up and those who are nominated will be put behind bars unless they want to pass that along. They can pay $60 to do that and uh, take you to guest controls. Well, they'll provide you with some snacks and stuff like that. It's uh, not going to be like real jail, that's for sure. And then you can uh, shorten your stay by paying a dollar a minute to get out a little bit uh, earlier uh, than you would have to spend the hour in there. So it's going to be fun. We're going to be uh, live that day on January the 17th. We're going to be helping out. We're going to be uh, 
uh, working as jailers that day as well. So we're really, really looking forward to that. And a uh, simple one here, Lloyd, Mr. Girl Guides Travel Group holding a bottle drive on Saturday. If you have some empties laying around after the holidays, you can donate them by messaging them on Facebook, and uh, they'll be out Saturday between 9 and 3 collecting. And I'm not sure whether the Lloyd, Mr. Girl Guides Traveling Group is planning on going somewhere or they're just raising funds to maybe get somebody home that's not home yet. But uh, if you got some bottles, you want to donate them, uh, you can find them on Facebook. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Garth Rosewell, MLA, Vermilion, Wainwright, Lloydminster. Hi, I'm Jeremy Wagner, General Manager of the new Lloydminster Nissan. You're probably wondering, and some have asked, why is it still the new Lloydminster Nissan? Quite simply, we're excited to bring things forward that we consider new to a car dealership. We're proud to support the community through a one-of-a-kind live broadcast with Kurt Price that focuses on events, people, and issues that concern our community. We're proud to work with other businesses to promote local agriculture, our heavy oil industry, and entrepreneurs. We give back to the community through sponsorships and our employees are encouraged to and excited to volunteer and help in the community. We're the proud new sponsors of the CPCA's Chuck Wagon Finals and the CPCA Pro Tour. And of course, we're always excited for our lineup of new Nissan vehicles with great new features. And our new to you lineup is just as impressive. We're proud to be the new Lloydminster Nissan. We'll keep looking for new ways to help our customers in our community and very soon announce plans for our new location. At the new Lloydminster Nissan, we won't sell you a car, we'll help you buy one. How can you help support the oil and gas industry and jobs in Western Canada? The answer is closer than you think. Sell your scrap metals to PWM Steel. PWM sells scrap iron to Evraz, located in Regina. Evraz's number one customer is the energy sector, building pipes and plates for the oil and gas industry. PWM Steel is your locally owned metal recycler and steel service center in the area. Plus, they're a strong supporter of the community. PWM Steel, your top steel supplier for Alberta and Saskatchewan for 40 years. At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high-quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering Smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with a Canadian-made, award-winning line of House of Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. Lloydminster and area have been hit with a massive snowfall. Officials are warning people to bundle up and keep warm. Looking to stay warm this winter? Welcome to the warmth of sheepskin. Looking for warmth? Looking for softness? Looking for comfort? We have ideas for you and your whole family. Visit Sheepskin Law for friendly service, unique gifts, and natural footwear. Sheepskin Law, because we care. Shop in-store or online, sheepskinloft.com. Welcome back inside the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. Uh, we have Garth Rosewell here from uh, Vermilion Wainwright Lloyd Minster MLA. And uh, Garth, do you have a good holiday? Yeah, I did. It was uh, nice and relaxed. Had uh, one of my daughters took off to Disneyland, so saw her when she got back, and the other one came in from Vancouver and stayed a few days. So not too eventful, which is nice and relaxing. Didn't so have trouble getting home. No, <laughs> no, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, I've wondered about Disneyland at yeah. uh, Christmas, how that would be and how busy it would be. Yeah, well, they got messed up a little bit, but they they got delayed a day. 
oh but yeah they were able to get down there and get back so so oh. thank god for that good stuff yeah. Yeah. and you were actually we were just talking about you you were saying that you tried elk and moose for the first time yeah i was uh todd lowen who is a, a guide uh, or a outfitter they're yeah. called uh he uh he was always uh he, he we have a smoker at the legislature and he smokes stuff and uh so he brought in some moose and elk. It's the first time I'd ever eaten moose and elk. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Moose is fed just fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Better yeah. than deer. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Way better. Yeah. yeah. And I I prefer moose over Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever tried bear. Have you tried bear? No, I haven't. No, no. I haven't either. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not something that really stands out. So uh so we're gonna talk today about uh twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three and they yeah. kinda meld together. Yep. I mean, if there was anything happening in politics <laughs> in twenty twenty two, it was happening in Alberta. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we had the big convoy, but you could tie that back to Alberta yep. as well That's with a right. lot of people that went from here out to uh Ottawa. And so uh let's let's get into it. I I think the number one concern would no doubt be inflation for 2022 yeah. that that stands out and you guys introduced uh some inflation relief tell us about that yeah well it's uh it was kind of at the start like we we like when we first started uh, in 2019 we we dm said deck some stuff we did some things and it was just trying to get our house in order and get kind of aligned with other provinces we said if we ever got to a point where we could um uh uh, financially uh, afford to do some things we would do that and uh, so what happened you know the price of oil went up the way it was natural gas went up the way it, it did and it was interesting the revenue from that was 28 billion from royalties yeah 4.2 was from natural gas the rest was from oil and, uh, and it, it, it allows you to do all, all sorts of things so so and then that's one of the benefits like uh, we we were able to give money you know, like take the fuel uh, tax off uh, off of gas and so we've extended that to the end of june regardless of what the price of oil is and then after that it'll go on that the the other one once oil gets below a certain level then then right. it'll it'll come back on eighty dollars right? eighty dollars and yeah. then and then it starts to go from there so so that's that's that one so that saves people money there um, and then just indexing like like H and uh, all the like PDD and uh, re-indexing um, uh, your basic deduction on provincial tax and retroactive to beginning of 2022. So we did all those things. So those are the benefits of, of since we own the resource, then we should benefit from it. So uh, so we we targeted some communities that were on fixed incomes, you know, like H and and the seniors and that kind of stuff that were more targeted. And then the other stuff was more broad based, uh, you know, like our gas rebate and our electricity yep. uh, deal that we did and the gas uh, on, on the gas. So it was a way to reflect the advantage Albertans have because we own the resource and we benefit from it. Do you, do you have a theory on why gas hasn't, like, we, we were expecting a 13 cent drop and, yep. and here it goes up. Do you have a theory on why that? that well, it's, yeah, there's lots of things that feed into that. And, and I know that was a concern, like, are people just going to keep it, right? And, uh, and in my view, it's like, that's the market. The market is going to put some discipline in that. Because if I tried to keep 13 cents and my neighbor down the street didn't, Right, uh, you'd know that fairly you'd have quickly. A gas war, yeah. hopefully. but it, but there's lots of other things that feed into it, and it's oh, what's it called? It's the 
a crack margin and this is something that refiners deal with yeah and and that goes up and down so the the one that recently happened we took that four and a half cents off but the market uh the other factors that impact the market outweighed that and pushed it up a little bit so like sometimes it gets so frustrating because you yeah. look at like you look at what oil is at and yep. and where it was at two years ago and we didn't have a dollar 94 gasoline then no we like, didn't like it's hard to predict what like um the opposition has called for a gas audit would you would you ever think on, about doing on, yeah on, on fuel gas stations yeah or? well like uh, trying to figure out why why it well, is but, but part of it you know is is the other things that get laid on the oil industry like uh, like a carbon tax like that's going up another 15 bucks on april 1st so a lot of those things play into it regulations that we've been trying to reduce play into that like there's there's a whole bunch of things that impact it and and you know what you need is a competitive market <clears throat> and i <clears throat> excuse me i think we have that and uh and uh you know the best comparison i think is us relative to anywhere else and like my daughter out in vancouver i i think they're under two bucks we'll find out when yeah. we get out there yeah. but when we were a buck and a half or a buck thirty something they were still over two dollars you know because just from all their different taxes yeah. that they throw on it so i, I think it's um uh, I, I'm comfortable that uh, that people. I think the market will look after that because uh, not every like I know if I owned a gas station and and the tax went off, I wouldn't say, well, here's my opportunity, right? And if my competitor did, there'd be a difference, right? Right, and and it would show up right away, and and I think that can get corrected. The other thing that will uh, concern people from this area is uh, the is it a hundred dollars for six months per family? Mm -hmm. When when do you start? When do they? When can families start? Well, that's January. That? Yeah. Oh, they'll see that right yeah. away. Yeah, it's going to go January through to June. Okay. Yep. Somebody yep. asked me to ask that the other day. Like, yep. I, I know it's coming, but I don't know well, when. Well, the it's the one the uh, the fifty dollars on the electricity one. Yep. Uh, that's you've seen that. Uh, well, people have seen that on their bills. Yeah, that yep. that created a little bit of a stir here yep. because some like some people like me mm -hmm. are just barely on the Saskatchewan side. Yes. Yep. And then. And then I had to change my provider. Well, that I, didn't even help because, or did it for you? No, it didn't. No. It, yeah. I wasn't getting that anyway. No. But but I had, for some reason, I had to change my gas provider in 2022. Oh, really? Yeah. I got a call saying, we, we can't service your area anymore. That's just the way it is. Oh, so okay. I think I'm with Epcor now. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and we've had a few complaints about that. It'd be fair, you know, like people... Uh, we're saying like I want the fifty like Saskatchewan residents, right? Right. But then you would have never got, understood that. You would have got the five hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, so it's it's just you're not an Alberta citizen, and this is for Albertans, right? So my neighbor saying the fifty dollars is what really messed me up. Then probably, like I want the fifty bucks. Yeah. Because I and 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 it, to be honest, it really pissed me off because here I've signed a contract for the next three years. Yeah. Where like I signed it a year ago. Yep. So I'm enjoying my gas prices yes, exactly. the way they were. And then yep. my neighbor goes and says, I want fifty dollars. Well, you just messed me up for yep. now I'm paying an extra hundred bucks <laughs> a month. So thanks a lot. You yeah. really screwed your neighbors there. Yeah. That's yeah. what it felt like. Anyway, I don't know for sure that's Yeah, what no, happened, and I, I think yeah, it was just like it, it's it's like Lloyd's always a unique situation with the border where it is and uh, you know, it's um it, it doesn't matter what we talk about there's an influence of that border, mm -hmm. be it health or education or whatever, right? Yeah. And l well, let's talk about healthcare because yeah. you spent, well, you spent a lot of time, 24 different communities yeah. uh, in 2022 traveling around 
and kind of an, what, were you analyzing what was happening with healthcare? No, well, what we were we were we were talking to people. So the the the, the how this came about was the um, you know when when we had our battle with uh, battle I'll call it disagreement with doctors relative to the master agreement, right? Of course, I got involved talking to doctors, nurses, a whole bunch of people. And I developed a kind of an understanding as I went through this process, and I made up a, I called it a concept paper, sent it off to the health ministry, and they kind of liked it and said, well, this has some merit. So then they gave it to people that really know what they're talking about in the department, and they did some work on it. So, so because of that, I got involved with the health ministry, maybe more involved than most people do. And when the new minister, uh, uh, Minister Copping, uh, he wanted to go out and talk to Albertans uh, about what's ailing uh, uh, healthcare. So he invited me along because he's from Calgary Varsity, so he's an urban guy. Mm -hmm. And he said, I need some rural representation. So I was kind of there representing rural. And we did do a couple of meetings in Calgary. We did a couple in Edmonton, but the rest was uh, all over the province. Uh, you know, Lethbridge, Fort McMurray, Peach River, we went all over the place. And the, the way the meeting was set up, in the morning, we'd have a, um, um, we'd call it the internal meeting. So that was doctors, nurses, dietitians, primary care networks, uh, whoever, people that were involved in the industry. And we asked them three questions, is what's working well um, and what is not working well and what are some of the solutions to that? And then in the afternoon, we spoke to what we called external people. So that would be municipal governments, uh, health foundations, health councils, chambers of commerce, they, they came in and then they expressed their points of view relative to health care and the services that were there. And then if we could, either over lunch or after our afternoon meeting before we went to the next town, um, we'd uh, go tour the local hospital, right? Because, uh, like, lots of people want new hospitals, yeah. you know. And, uh, Wainwright for one. Uh, Wainwright wants one, yeah. Yep. Uh, Lloyd would like there's maintenance upgraded like right. you know there's there's requests here that the mayor has made me aware of and uh and and so uh but the the worst one i saw was in Cartston, and uh, it's the second oldest hospital in alberta and uh, there was a whole wing that looked like it was just a horror show like it was cobwebs all over the place pretty pretty much shut down i think but we went through this one door and they took a jackhammer and jackhammered concrete out to expose the oxygen lines. The reason they did that was so they could put a valve in there and they turned it off when they weren't using it because there were so many leaks in it through the concrete. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, so that was probably the worst hospital I saw on, on my travels. But it was really, really good. It was, uh, wow. it was intense at times, but we, people, but we just didn't say, just, it's not here just a complaint thing, it's a solution-based right. thing. And, and it really... And then we acted on that. Like, we acted on some of the stuff before the tour was even over. Okay. Tell us some of that. Tell us, tell us some of the takeaways. Well, the, the, a big one is, is EMS, for example. And the, the minister had uh, uh, tasked R.J. Uh, Sigurdsson, an MLA out of Calgary, Calgary and Tracy Allard, uh, an MLA out of uh, Grand Prairie, to go and look at the EMS system. And they did an interim report in the spring with 10 recommendations. He implemented those. We just got the full report here in uh, in December, and it was um, uh, and 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 he's going to work on that. But what what some of the things that did happen while we were on our tour, 
Uh, and it was interesting because it got implemented and then further on in the tour, we, uh, we had some EMS people uh, comment on it and how it had impacted them. For example, a big problem is rural ambulances yep. transfer people to major centers and then they get hung up in there going and doing other calls. So, so they were, and, and then they never get back and sometimes we're without ambulances. And Lloydminster's an example, some, yep. of the, some of the issues we had here. And so, um, so a couple of things that we did was we, we, um, we bought uh, I think nine in Calgary and ten brand new ambulances that are fully staffed and operational. Hopefully that will allow the rural ambulances to go in and come back out quicker and not get tied up as much. The other thing we did was it was called stacking. And I didn't realize this until we went to Rimby and the EMS person there said, uh, I'm really happy about that stacking thing you did. And of course, I said, well, you're going to have to explain that to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, they called it stacking. They didn't know what the term was. But what it was is they said uh, they would triage uh, emergency calls as to is this urgent or can it wait? <coughs> and if it was possible that it could wait, that got stacked onto the local ambulance, right? So if you could afford to wait five hours, and then the more emergent ones were the ones that they went to for sure. Right. And our rural uh, ambulances could get caught up in that part. But it, because we stacked them, they were less likely to get re-dispatched, and they were able to get back. And, and she said it made a huge difference in Rimby, uh, this stacking thing that we did in the, in the major centers. It sounds like common sense. Well, it, it does. It does. Yeah. You know, and then examples like uh, uh, stuff we heard uh, in Vermilion. And it's interesting how local people come up with neat solutions, right? And uh, like uh, the focus office there bought what was called a, a NAT vet, a non-ambulance transfer vet. And the guy uh, that came up with the idea was an ex-paramedic uh, for 22 years. And he said there's about 30% of uh, ambulance rides don't actually require the ambulance. Right. It's just they have no other choice, right? Right. Like transferring someone from a lodge to the hospital or whatever. Right? Or I gotta go I gotta go from one hospital to get a checkup from my doctor in Edmonton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so you use an ambulance, right? right? So you tie up those and then they get in Edmonton and then you get into that fulcrum of being used for all sorts of things, right? Right. So what they did is they, they did this and they actually charged the client uh, to for this trip. Uh, it's about half the cost of an ambulance. And then they fundraise to uh, uh, they call adopt a ride to help pay for it. So what they were looking for, and it was interesting because on this tour, uh, the interim CEO of Alberta Health Services traveled with us, and also the chairman of the board of Alberta Health Services. So uh, so I brought this, uh, and he, what what he was looking for is can we get uh, a retainer of something, a monthly stipend of some sort that would just help us cover our costs uh, and, and we'll save the system money. So I brought that to uh, uh, Moro Kias, was his name, the CEO of uh, AHS, and he says, well, send me his business plan. So he had a very detailed business plan. I sent it to him and they were going to try to, to uh, uh, see if they could uh, incorporate some of that. So, so you never know, right? Like good ideas come from all over the place. Lloyd Minster has handy bands. They yep. got them in... Uh, in um, uh, Wainwright as well. So maybe here's a way, if, you know, maybe the stipend thing might just help solidify that, that, that uh, and then we can take some of the pressure off the uh, ambulances. And the other part is beds. We hear all the time, there's no beds, there's no beds. 
How do we get more beds or can well, we? Well, I, I think there's enough beds. There's about 8,500 beds in Alberta. At any one time, we used about 6,400 of them for acute care. Well, we hear, like, you hear stories from people saying, well, I, I, like, we needed to have mom or somebody come back from Mexico. They couldn't get her back because there was no bed to put her in. Uh, well, that might be more of a staff thing like that like the beds are there uh, the staffing issue like that's not something we heard on our tours okay that was probably the biggest thing was uh, was just the morale of people working in the healthcare system because they were so overwhelmed uh, during covid like covid really exposed a lot of cracks that have been there for years and years and never fixed because it just kind of worked right? Right, right and uh and so the biggest problem is staffing I think that we heard on our tour. Now the way we're trying to, and that's just not physicians. That's nurses. That's that's everything, right? And every industry is like that right now. Like a lot of industries, everything, yeah. right? So, so in and some of the actions we've taken on that are through the ministry. Like this guy, uh, you know, one thing I thought when when we had a change of leadership, I I said I advocated. I said we got to keep this guy. <laughs> as Minister of Health, you know, he's just, he's doing such a great job. He, he's absorbed so much information and he's making great things and he's bringing everyone along with him. Like he's got contracts signed with all the major unions. The, the uh, doctor, the physicians have uh, ratified a new master agreement. So, so he's really good. And as he used to be, uh, uh, he used to work for Canadian Pacific. And I don't know if you ever heard the name Hunter Harrison. Yes, yes. He was good a, and bad. Yeah, good and bad. Yeah, good and bad. He was yeah. a he was a CEO of CN for a while, and then he came to CP. Yep. And he's the kind of guy that comes in, blows everything up, and then restructures it and tries to make the, the whole thing more efficient. Right. Right. Minister Copping was the HR guy when Hunter Harrison was looking after CP. So so he had to deal with all the unions and 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 manage people's expectations. Yeah. So what I said there would have been a lot with Hunter Harris. Oh, a lot to deal with in HR. Oh yeah, no, and and he did it right. <laughs> yeah. So so I think I think this tour, you know, we we produced some newsletters as we went through this tour. Here's what we've heard so far. Here's what we're doing about it, right? And uh, and then there's a, a, a feedback link that people can continue to communicate with us. Yeah. The number of times that I had people come up to me after we finished our meeting, they said, is the new leader going to keep him as health minister? These were people in the health industry, right? right. And, uh, and I said, well, I sure hope so. And they said, well, he's the best minister we've had. And they couldn't remember how long. So he's just one of those guys that he, 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 you feel listened to, and, and he, he's acting on these things. Right. Like we signed an agreement with uh, the Philippines to provide us with more nurses and try to try to recognize their credentials quicker right, right. And that's part of the problem so there, there's kind of a, a long a short medium and long-term plan relative to people and uh, the long-term plan is to train more of our own so the University of Calgary and Edmonton we've created more physician positions and we want to make a rural stream kind of reserve some of that for a rural stream so we can because if you can train someone local that wants to be a doctor, the chances of them coming here back to your local right. rural town is a lot better than someone from outside the country or yeah. wherever, right? Yeah. So so that was so we want to train our own more. That's the long term that takes a long time. That's not gonna solve tomorrow's problems, right? So the medium term plan is relative to immigration and, and allow and recognize credentials better. Like he went over to Denmark 
uh, you know, during the time we were doing this tour as well. And, uh, and he said they spend about two-thirds of what we do per capita on healthcare, but they, uh, they have better results. And what they focus on is primary care, not acute care. I've had a number of people tell me on this tour, they said, you know, our system is an illness treatment system. It's not a health care system. So our most expensive door is the acute one. If we can keep, keep people away from there by focusing on public health, we might, we might, we don't necessarily need to spend more money in healthcare. We just need to have a, a proper focus. So the, and going, so that's medium to, and the short term one is, um, is to focus on, on, on increasing the scope of practice for all sorts of people. We've done that with pharmacies and the first two that were opened are uh, Lethbridge and Medicine Hat. Shop was Dirk Mart. And when we were down on Lethbridge, they, uh, they opened, it was the first one they opened. It was a Shoppers Drug Mart in Lethbridge. And it's a family clinic attached to a pharmacy. And so pharmacists can, can uh, make prescription recommendations and assess issues for a certain scope or range right. of illnesses. Right. right. And, and Something's so, kind of spreading out the rest of the country now, too. It, well, it is. Ontario yeah. just latched on to what yeah. we, we had done. Yeah. So we were, so shoppers drug out there, and I says, well, why'd you come here? Right. He says, well, Alberta's got the largest scope of practice for pharmacists. And so, and, and, and with the changes we made, this was the place to do it. Well, now they've done that. They've expanded it to Medicine Hat. And if it works and it sounds like it is, they want to spread it around. So they, they can't do what a doctor does. They can't do what a nurse practitioner does, but they can do something. And that can take some of the load off of doctors so they have more time to use their higher level of knowledge to, to work through. We did it with uh, opticians, optometrists, and ophthalmologists. We increased the scope of practice on the two bottom ones so that they could take over more of it. So they're not, you know, they're dealing with as many things as they can at their level, and then that frees up the, the, the doctor uh, or the opth opth ophthalmologist to, to um, do stuff that's more severe, more complex, and uses their talents better. So that's kind of the short term, and that, that's... That's worked really, really well. Nurse practitioners, I've been a big promoter, to, promoter of nurse practitioners. When I first started digging into this issue on the healthcare system, we had about 550 nurse practitioners. We've got about 11,000 doctors. I think they're fully underutilized and they're not working to the full scope of their practice. So we've got about 850 nurse practitioners now, and I'm trying to find a way for them to work to the full scope of their practice. What do you think when you hear Justin Trudeau say, we... we we can give healthcare more money to the provinces, mm -hmm. but we want to know where it's going. Well, you know, I, I get it because uh, they they have had stuff they've done in the past where here's money for healthcare. Well, our healthcare is fine. We're going to give a tax rebate to everybody. Right, right. Right. So I, I get that, but that's part of the whole sovereignty act that we passed. Is we have jurisdiction over certain areas. We don't want you coming into our area. A good example of where that happened to us was on the childcare. We were, we were one of the last to get our money for child care. But the, the reason was, is uh, Minister Schultz was, uh, was negotiating the deal. They came and said, here's $3.8 billion, but this is how you're going to do it, right? Well, you don't know our province and what, what we need. They wanted it just for government-run daycare. We have a large component of private health care or private uh, daycare, daycare yeah. and nonprofit. Those weren't going to be included originally. So Minister Schultz really fought back and got that included and, uh, and, and brought the money in. So 
our concern from a provincial perspective, I understand the feds are saying, yeah, we'll give you the money and you'll just blow it on something else. Right. How do we know where it's going to go to health, right? And uh, But what we don't want is them saying, okay, this is where what you're going to spend it on. This is, you're going to hire more doctors. You're going to hire this. We're going to build hospitals. Like, if, you know, I don't know that's what they would do. But if that's the strings that they're trying to attach, every province is running their own system. <clears throat> it's all different. They have different strengths and weaknesses. So the federal government just can't come and say it's all going to be long-term care. Well, right. some provinces are doing better than others than that. They don't need help there. They need it in nurse practitioners. They need it in whatever, right? So, so, I, so that's the fear that we have from a provincial perspective. I can appreciate if I was the federal government, I'd be saying, well, I just don't want to, here's a check. And, I, you know, like we're spending about $22, 23000000000 billion on health care. If the feds gave us another $4 billion and we, didn't, we still spent $22, if I was a federal government, I said, well, hmm. Right, right. <laughs> that was supposed to be for health, right? Right. And, and so, uh, so I understand, I kind of understand where they're coming from, but we don't want them to dictate how we should spend that money. You brought up the, <clears throat> the Alberta First Sovereignty Act. Yep. So let's talk about <clears throat> Bill 1. Yep. Um, you, were the, you were the Alberta First Chair. Yeah, yeah. It's a neat, it's a neat uh, like when uh, the Premier was deciding who to do what, she phoned me up and said, well, I'd like you to be the, Alberta First Cabinet Policy Committee Chair. And I said, okay, you know, and then I, I got into it a little bit more. Like, she just phoned me on the phone. I was driving down the road. But Were you, were you for the Sovereignty Act when yes. she was running? When, I was, when she was running, I, to be honest, I didn't understand it. Yeah, and I, all I knew is that uh, it wasn't, I didn't think it was about separation. And, and that's what everyone, that was the criticism. That was the criticism. Because yeah. people would come to me, they'd talk to me, and says, look, I'm not a separatist. I said, well, that's not what this is about, right? And, uh, and so, and it's a neat example of how it works now. So I, I got to be that. So that, that committee, anything that impacts our relationship with Ottawa is going to come through that. So did that. you, did, so when they, when they kind of revised the Sovereignty Act, yes. changed the name of it yep. to Alberta First. Um, the, the Alberta. That, that all went yep. through you, Garth? It did. Yeah. yeah. Well, it went through my committee. And, committee, and, and, right. and the, the committee's made up of uh, about, half a dozen ministers and a half a dozen backbenchers. And so before, and I, this isn't a criticism of Kenny, it, you know, like we just, we had a large volume of stuff we were doing and, and stuff had to get done in a hurry at times. So there's times when uh, first I'd see a policy thing is uh, uh, maybe a couple of days before it hit the chamber floor, right? And so how much input could we have, right? right. So this one, the way it works <clears throat> is a minister will devise, okay, here's kind of what I want to do, right? They'll come to our policy committee. They'll lay it out. <clears throat> we have, it's the first time I met these people. They're the policy coordination office, and they're there. So they're taking notes. We're asking questions. We're voting on specific parts of it, and those concerns are brought out, uh, are recorded. All that information goes to the cabinet. The cabinet looks at what we've said, and then they grind it out and have their input at that level and then they develop okay here's the policy then they take that policy and they bring it to the entire caucus and everyone has another chance at, at hitting it right so so the the result of that was something that was called the alberta sovereignty act initially which people were uh, saying okay well that's separatism yeah right we said well let's change the name and so the change of name is 
is happened because of the policy development process that we have in place, right. which I really like. And then some, even the policies after it was written uh, and got into the legislature, the NDP, well, you know, they said, and we said even in our caucus, some were saying, well, this still gives too much power to the minister to, to make their own laws, right, or, or change legislation without going through the legislature or whatever. And uh, so there was a couple of amendments made just right at, uh, in the Committee of the Whole, yeah. and amendments were brought in. It was brought in by us, and, and those were changed just to clarify that this, that's not what this is for. So, and, then we've, and, and so we've had examples of, uh, of um, where I think it's already working. Uh, like at COP27, uh, our federal environment minister was there, and th that, those, um, that or, uh, organization, that meeting, they were trying to have commitments made to re reducing use of fossil fuels. And uh, Minister uh, Gilbo uh, said, well, that's provincial jurisdiction in Canada. I can't dictate that. That's not what they did before, right? right? So, so that's the kind of, like, it's like the, the Premier said, I hope we never have to use it, but we might. And the, the next one that drives me crazy is uh, uh, they want to do a, uh, by 2035, have it that no electricity can be generated using fossil fuels. Using natural <laughs> gas, yeah. You know, it's just crazy. So, you know, and that'd be okay in BC because 95% of their electricity comes from hydro. But our competitive advantage is fossil fuels. Yeah. Well, that's our jurisdiction. So, you know, that will be a perfect use of the uh, sovereign, uh, Sovereignty Act to say, no, this is ours. We're not going to abide by that. And if you want to take us, you know, we're just not going to do it. So you want to take us to court, then that's up to you. But, but the, you're, you're impeding on our jurisdiction. So I've heard, I've heard Danielle mention about uh, EV vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. It could be used for EV vehicles as yeah. well, where I, I don't know where we think the grid is coming from, especially well, if we're not going to use natural gas, yeah. where we're going to power these uh, vehicles from. But something like, um, say, gun, the gun control yeah. uh, and the amendments that were made to that. Yeah. Um, would the Sovereignty Act come into play for gun control, or would it be a separate, you'd need a completely separate bill? No, no, it's there. And, and, <coughs> and uh, when the minister came out and talked about that, he said, under our Constitution, like that's a federal gun law, right? Yep. We have our own CFO that we appointed. That's something new that we did a couple of years ago. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, and he said, but the enforcement of that and the prosecution of that is under provincial jurisdiction. You can't come into that. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to take people off of rural crime to go and try to, right. uh, you know, confiscate, confiscate guns. Gun. And, and, that, and the, the, the list of guns, like I talked to the local MP here at the uh, B. Fisher fundraiser on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And she said that where they got that list, you know, it was just nuts. And they haven't, they haven't done their homework on which one should be included in there. But that's a, a good example of where we can use the Alberta First framework to be able to push back and say, look, we're not going to, we're not going to enforce, we're not going to prosecute that. Like it's a federal law, we can't say it can't be done, but we're not going to, we're going to keep our people that we have some control over uh, focused on rural crime and crime and not legal gun owners. Right. Yeah. So what, what is the solution there? What like on the gun I, thing? On the gun, yeah. yeah. I I don't. Well, we we like, just we just need them to 
like the the most crime and and murder and all that stuff is committed with handguns, and they they come across the board. Like I think Pierre Polyevra has the right thing. Let's focus on fortressing our border and really making a lot of punishment for illegal guns coming into the country. Let's not focus on a, a farmer between Vermilion and Lloydminster with a, a, a gun to protect his right. thing from coyotes. Right. You know, like, right. Yeah. why are we taking the gun away from that guy, right? So, or so, a kid with a Or little, a kid or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just it's crazy. Eh? So, so I think we still make the case they've delayed it, right? Hopefully the conservatives in, uh, in Ottawa can have some influence on that. Um, so, I, you know, that's the way politics works. You, you advocate your case. You try to get build a parade that's big enough that people listen to it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the challenge we have. And if we can't, then we lose, right? <laughs> um, we've talked about a few things that, yeah. that um, well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned um, rural. So let's, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about rural. And rural crime is always a, yeah. a huge concern. Uh, I'm confused on a couple of topics. Uh, one is um, would be replacing the CPP with an APP. Oh, okay, the okay. pension thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm confused because some of the wording that Danielle has used, conf- like, she makes it sound like she just you just sign a piece of paper and bang, it'll be taken care of. Yeah. You know, and the other, and the other one was... Um, taking a, the RCMP away and putting in a provincial police force. Yeah. Uh, like, are we that close to, like, is that a really a possibility? Yeah, because I think a lot yeah. of people look at it and go, well, that's never going to happen. But, yeah. and, and if it does happen, boy, what, what does Lloydminster do? Because we've, we've got half a city with RCMP and half a city with Alberta yeah. provincial police. Like, yeah, well, you got the city charter here. So whatever the city decides to go with, I would hope would be the right, way it would right, work. Okay. Right. Uh, the... Um, um, do you, do you see it happening? Do you see a, an Alberta police? I, I could see it happening, and partially because the federal government is leaning that way too, because this is contract policing. Like RCMP does uh, federal stuff, like international border type stuff, yeah. and they'd still be in, they're still in, like uh, Ontario and Quebec both have their own provincial polices, right? Yes, they, they do. And, yeah. and, and contract policing for local crime issues is handled by the province and, and funded and everything by the province. And... Uh, and but RCMP still has presence there for international type or national type issues, so uh, so it's it's not it's what we're looking at is not uncommon, and so our contract right now runs till 2032. You have to give two years advance notice of what you're going to do. We're still studying it, like it's not like we like there's been lots of input coming from it. There's been no decision made yet, but there there is a timetable. If we did this, it would be 20. 25, 26, or 26, 27, that it would look like. But we've, we've had indications from the federal government that they would like to get out of contract policing as well. And so that's 2032. Right. So at the end of 2032, if they come out and say, look, we're not funding, we're not paying anything for it, they could do that, right? Uh, and then so here we are. So it, it wouldn't be very uh, prudent for us thought to prepare for it. The only province that isn't talking about it, preparing for it, is Manitoba. Every other one is. So, so I, I think it's, but again, like it's, we're not going to just, you know, do, like we're gathering information. We're, we're, like I get more and more information all the time on, on how this thing is going to work. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with it if we go that way. The pension plan, 
That, that yeah. seems to be really one that scares people. Yeah. They just don't understand it. Yeah, well, you know, like Alberta is, uh, is a net contributor by a whole bunch of money. And the initial numbers I heard was about $3 billion, like what we put in and what we take out given our our demographic and how we, and our incomes and that 10% type of... 10% of the population. Yeah, it's, it's just, but we contribute a lot more than that, right? So, okay. so because we tend to make more money. Right. Right, and, and, uh, and, and we're a younger population. So, so the research that's going into that is if we did leave it, like what would the net benefit be? I heard $3 billion. There's a report being done on that, and it'll come out, and it'll say, here's the numbers. This is where it's at. But let's say it's $3 billion. So what do we do with that if we could actually save that? by having our own pension plan because Quebec has their own pension plan. They do. And, and, and as long, like people, one of the concerns is, okay, I'm in Alberta, I move to Manitoba. What happens? Well, you change uh, employer occupation, you can, you can transfer your, you can roll your pension over to the other one. Like that can happen. So, so I, I can see that happening. But the, uh, uh, um, but it, so if we have this $3 billion, what, what do we do with it? Well, we could either reduce the contribution amount that employers and employees put in yep. or increase the benefit or a bit of both. So the research that's being done, and apparently it, it looks like you know, $3 billion might be a low number. So, so what will happen there, and that one's not going to be uh, done until there's a vote, like either a referendum or it's part of a platform. Right. And, and the... And the and, and if, it's, if it's like in a referendum, it's going to be here's the numbers, and then people can decide. Just like we did with the daylight savings tank. Right. Right. Not lost by like 1%. One percent or, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, I was disappointed in that, but and it was okay, done. That's not what people right. want, right? Yeah. So, but what we need is the facts. And, you know, if we can save that much money and we can increase the benefit or reduce the fee that it, we have to contribute to it. Why would be, it be crazy not to look at it, right? So what's happening right now is the, the, all the information around it is being gathered up, and, and it'll be a full report when the time comes. I, I don't know when that's going to happen. don't know when that's going to happen. But I think it's going to be, but before that would be implemented, it would, it would either have to be within a platform or just a referendum, just a referendum. on its own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Most likely a referendum, you think? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know which one. I hate to pre, pre, okay. pre, <laughs> right. prejudge that, but, I, but, I, but Albertans <laughs> will have their say. Uh, it's just not going to be today we don't, tomorrow, and too bad. Right. right. Like, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's pretty important, right? Yeah. This next one, I know you've heard <clears throat> concerns about it because mm-hmm. I, like, any time I turn on a radio station for a talk show or whatever in Alberta, and uh, somebody will call in about it, and that's insurance in yes. on Alberta. Yep. Uh, like, we may have the lowest um, gas prices in yep. the country, but our insurance is the highest. It's high, yeah. What, yep. what can be done about the high cost of yep. insurance in Alberta? I mean, you've got some people who are, you know, are paying more insurance now than they've ever paid before, and they never had an accident. Yeah, no, I know, I know. And that's a, it's a problem. It, it really is. And the kind of what was there before, there was a, a cap on it. And and the um, the opposition would like to uh, bring that back, right? Uh, the problem was when that cap went into place. What the the complaints I had when I first got in there relative to insurance is my insurance company just said they're not going to insure me anymore, right? Or they're reducing my liability amount, or they're 
you know, they're selective on the benefits that I can get or if I can pay monthly as opposed to or once a year or, or whatever. So <clears throat> what was happening, the automobile part of, of insurance was like those expenses were going up, like, um, uh, uh, like the, what it cost to fix a vehicle and everything was just going up. Right. So, so the cap made it hard to be profitable. So what happened was the level of service that you got, the only way, if you can't raise revenues enough, you have to lower your cost. And cost was the benefits that you paid out. So that was kind of the problem that we were in. We, we took the cap off. There's, the cap. A, there's an immediate big increase. And, yes. and it was. And, and, uh, and, but since then, in the last uh, 24 months, it's been very low. And we've actually had several companies uh, apply for a reduction. So, so, so it's going to take time for that to feed through. But for example, uh, like BC is, uh, they're under a government plan, uh, and they've got very expensive insurance there as well. But they run a deficit, so it actually loses money, and the taxpayer has to pick that up. So I, I don't think that's what we want either. And I think th if you put a cap on it, <clears throat> and you make it so that the insurance companies can't recover, like some insurance companies just left the province. So your choice is so that's a way to wind up with government insurance on car insurance. And some people might say, great. Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. They, they might say, fine, let, let's go that way. But, but I'd rather stay in the, in the private part and, and, and make that work. It's going to be, it sounds to me like that's going to be a concern for a, for it's, a, it's a little while. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not high. It is high. And we're, we're among the highest in, uh, if not the highest in the country. So, so I, I, um, uh, I, I just, I don't want it to be like BC's where it's subsidized. I'm not sure about Saskatchewan, if it's subsidized or not, I'm or not if sure. it carries its own weight. Uh, Colleen's here next Thursday. I'll oh, ask great. Her. Ask her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, so like I, I, uh, but I, you know, it's a, it's an issue. We got the right guy working on it. Like minister uh, Taves is, he's very professional, very, he knows what he's doing and he's got a path forward and it's going to take time. But he, he definitely feels he's going to get to a point where, where we can, uh, stem the tide of increases. And like he said, we're starting to get uh, some outfits come in and want to reduce it. So, so you, to see. you had a change in leadership in 2022. Did you feel like uh, the party came together? I know there's, you know, um, there was there was definitely some infighting. There was definitely yep. some things going on. Yep. Did it feel a lot different? What did Danielle do to to kind of unite that the party? Because you had mentioned, well, she's changed, you know, procedures a little bit yep. and yep. and policy. Yep. But what? What did she do to well, bring you guys? Like, it feels like the UCP is a little more organized and a little yeah. more on the same page. Well, yeah. You know, and it's, uh, well, she worked hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to begrudge anyone else, but um, the get out the vote, she was all over the province. She went to every town you can imagine uh, having get out the vote. Came here. Thing. Yep. Yeah, came here, you know. So Something it's, Rachel Notley never, never did in four years. Yeah. I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. I just want to point that yeah. out because it sours me. Yeah. It sours me that she never came here in four years and she was premium. Yeah, nope. So, so, I, so she worked hard. And what, what I've come to the conclusion that uh, the difference between conservatives and, say, the progressives or the left-leaning part of the political spectrum is the conservatives always talk about this big tent that we have, and we do. So there's quite a divergence of what people feel. So when Premier Kenny first got elected, I had conservatives nitpicking, well, 
no, I don't like this, I don't like that, right? And they were, and, and so they were complaining about that. And then that built to a, to a, a thing that wound up where he, he resigned, right? right. And, uh, and now, since Danielle's been elected, I've been getting some of that as well. And I say, you know, we got to stop doing this because no one's going to be perfect when you got a big tent. If you got a narrow tent, which I think is, you know, I don't want to be partisan here, but it, the progressives, if, if you don't agree with their point of view, you're not there, right? It's, it's the narrow tent. But in Canada, for every conservative, I think there's two progressives. So we can't afford to split our vote. And uh, in Alberta, I think we're still a majority conservative uh, province. And, uh, but we can't, we can't be splitting our vote. So we gotta, we don't want to beat up on the good in order in our search for perfect. And, and, and so what I've been telling people is get involved in the process. If you want a bill passed or something done, get involved in our constituency. Like we did that this, uh, this last AGM, our, our CA got together and we, we submitted a, a policy proposal and the way it works, we submit it and then it goes out to all the constituencies and members and people vote on it as to what they want to see at the AGM. Right. Well, ours got the third most votes. So it got in there, went to the AGM, it got passed. So now that becomes a recommendation for the party to implement that as a policy going forward. So, so that's the way to get involved. And, and you're not going to, like, for people to just come and yell at a conservative um, and not do anything else, right, you'll always be angry because you're not going to get exactly what you want. But get involved, and I think that's, that's where we need to do. But I've, I've come to the conclusion the Conservatives had a wide tent. It lends itself to controversy. The Progressives have a narrow tent, and they don't tolerate vergence of views. Right. And so they don't have as much trouble that way as we do. When we look at uh, Lloydminster locally, mm -hmm. um, Lloydminster Place has become such a yep. huge topic. I know the, that the, uh, the mayor has talked to you about no, Lloydminster yeah, Place, and you mentioned the hospital yep. as well. Yep. Um, the, we're going to see a budget in, yeah. in Alberta. I, I assume we're going to see a budget in oh, yeah. 2020, sure. yeah, 2023, before yeah. the election. Yeah. Um, how, do you get that on, how do you get that on the radar? Well, and, and is, yeah. is it already on the radar? Oh, it is, and it's, uh, I'll give good credit to Mayor Albers. Uh, he's been, every time we had a change of ministers, because the other thing was change of leadership was change of ministers. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. And, and he's come and talked to the different, the new ministers, and made the same pitch he made to the old one. And, right. You know, he's just been working really hard, so my job is to try to line up the meetings and be there with him. And, and uh, yeah, so he's aggressively going out there and trying to get some money. Uh, there's there's different pathways that he can try to use. I think Saskatchewan's made a commitment that's been that was fairly significant. Uh, I haven't heard anything yet. Oh, okay, maybe not. But and uh, but anyway, so he's he's working it hard and and so that's so yeah no he's it's on the radar like there's ways that you can do it um, uh, like through culture, through the treasury board, through agriculture like there's different avenues and we're exploring all of them trying to set up means with the ministers to make sure that, and he's the best uh, pitch man for it. He, uh, he's just he's pretty such, passionate about well, it. Well, he's got such a nice way of doing things too. So I've, uh, it's, uh, so I, my job, like I said, line up the meeting, have him come in, and uh, we're trying to line up three different ministries here sometime in January 
in oh. a row for him to come and, and talk to. So I utilize his talents to help. <laughs> so we will see an election in 2023. That's your prediction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for you personally, Garth, I feel like uh, the Alberta First, your tour on health care, did it revitalize you? It did. Yeah, you know, I was undecided whether I was going to run again. Uh, you know, I was, and not because I was, like, I really enjoy the job. I, you know, I've learned so much. You take you a know. lot of abuse, too. Well, yeah, well, yeah but... It, it comes with the job. Yeah, but and that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the reason, you okay. know. For me, it was just, what's the, you, you, you know, you get, like, the reason I ran the first time, there was three things. It was red tape, balance the budget, and push back on the war on fossil fuels. I think we've done a good job on red tape, more to do, but we're, the, the mindset's there and we're headed in the right direction. Balance the budget, Minister Taves is on that one, and, and we're there, and we actually have a surplus. So now you might say, well, that's, that's just the price of oil going up. Yeah, that had a lot to do with it, but that's the industry that the opposition wants to kill. So like, that's, that's our bread and butter, and we want to kill it. I just don't get that. So I want to push back on the war on fossil fuels. The other two things are, uh, are uh, electricity and utilities. I want to really get in on that. And I, you know, with carbon credits, I'm finding out electricity and how it's priced. And, and yeah. there's a lot of problems that carbon taxes play into there. And then the other one is health care. So when I was on the tour with the health minister, I asked him, I said, what's the best way for me to have an impact on health? You know, is there a board I can be on or something? You know, uh, and he said, well, he says, as long as he's minister, I'd have a position of, call it influence, or you know, he'd consult with me, and uh, and uh, and the best way to do that is as an MLA. So it was because of him that I said, okay, that's. So I, I really want to get to the nitty gritty on healthcare, and and that's one of the major reasons I'm running this next time. And that was a recent decision, just this fall. Yeah. I wondered about yep. that. Yep. Yeah. Well, somebody had told me it may have even been the mayor on yep. on one of our visits that you had decided to yep. to uh, to run again. So I, I, but I did get the feeling like it, like the pandemic could weigh down on a lot of people. Oh, it like, was tough. I know Jason Nixon. Uh, he was uh, he was our house leader and one of our caucus meetings. He said, "All you first termers picked a hell of a first term." <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a guy by the name of uh, um, Mark Smith. And he's the—he's uh, not running again, but he's the next uh, school teacher, and so he's—that was his second term. Well, you look at the changes he's seen, like the floor crossing and all the political stuff that's happened. Yes. He says he's going to write a book about the two terms, and I says, "Well, I'll be your first buyer because <laughs> <laughs> the, the second term was exciting, and there was lots of stuff happening, and and uh, it, you know, it, it, it's a distraction, like the the whole leadership thing." took away from our the money we had for the election it uh like it it, it hurt yeah uh but it's it's something we obviously we had to go through and here we are and you even mentioned yourself i i do think that we're more we're less disunited there's a wide range of opinions but we're willing to uh put some water in our wine and say let's just get the best job we can get done here may not be everything i want but we'll make progress over time Thanks, Garth. Appreciate okay. your time. Yeah, thanks for inviting me in. Yeah. And uh, Garth mentioned a book. Well, we have the author of a book coming to see us on Saturday. We've got Brandy Hofer, who's a local artist, and she has written a book called Color Me Happy. We're going to find out more about that book and uh, why Brandy wrote it on Saturday morning, 11 o'clock, right here at the new Lloydminster Nissan.